The following message is from the Church at Greer Station. For more information, visit tcgreerstation.com. So I was looking at some research from the Pew Institute uh, this, this past week. Um, it comes from August 2020 is when these numbers are published, and you'll be able to see uh, see it on the screen. So the percentage of adults in the U.S. who say casual sex between consenting adults who are not in a committed relationship is always or sometimes acceptable regardless of whether they would do it themselves. And so there's, there's some percentages below this on the screen. For Christian adults, 50% said that it was okay for consenting adults who are not in a committed relationship to always or uh, sometimes engage uh, in casual sex. 36% of evangelicals and then atheists and agnostic, it was well into the uh, mid-90s. So this is consenting adults who are not in a committed relationship. And then the next one that will be on the screen is the percentage of adults in the U.S. who say casual sex between Consenting adults who are in a committed relationship is always or sometimes acceptable, regardless of whether they would do it themselves. 57% for Christians, 46% for evangelical. I was kind of surprised for some reason atheist and agnostic went into the 80% uh, for this one, but it was still high 80s, um, maybe not understanding maybe the difference in the question or um, something of that, that nature. Um, and regardless of whether they would do it themselves, that was the statement at the end that I thought was, was unique. Is it always or sometimes acceptable, regardless of whether you would do it yourself? Do you feel okay with it? Are you okay with other people doing it? Uh, very much, we want to uh, see what we believe and what we say line up uh, with what the Bible would articulate. Now, the, in this poll, I mean, there's a big question mark out there. What does it mean to be Christian? What does it mean to be evangelical? Can you just say, I'm a Christian, I'm an evangelical, just because I say I am? Uh, maybe, maybe that's how they took the poll. But I was surprised that for, for those who would put never acceptable um, in, in this space, who would say that it is never acceptable, it was only about one-third uh, for Christians and evangelicals in, in both of these polls. But the Bible speaks clearly and explicitly on our sexual ethic. And tonight we're in Proverbs 5, and I'm going to go to uh, some other verses as well, but I hope to uh, make clear what the Bible teaches, that we um, want to maintain um, the biblical sexual ethic in all of our lives, whether we are single, whether we are married, um, and we would deeply fall into the never category for both of these uh, polls. And I hope to explain why, and I hope to make that beautiful to you tonight. Not just a thing that you have to do, you have to abide by it, but something that's beautiful and lovely, something to delight in, in the way that God has created us and formed us as male and female. So we're in Proverbs 5. It's a strong warning from uh, a father to a son or a father to sons. Verse 7 Um, It may be kind of spiritual sons or real sons of Solomon, but there's great irony that Solomon is the author of Proverbs 5, and then the rest of Proverbs, Proverbs 6, Proverbs 7, many other Proverbs are also filled with language around this. Solomon is, 
is one of the wisest, if not the wisest man to ever live. First Kings 3, uh, wisdom uh, is given to him. He asks for wisdom from the Lord, and the Lord grants it. But then the Lord makes clear that wisdom does not necessarily mean that he will walk in God's ways. So I think it's First or First Kings three fourteen that says he still needs to follow God's ways, despite being wise, despite having all the wisdom in the world. But then the problem comes in First Kings eleven verse three, where it says Solomon has seven hundred wives, three hundred concubines, and his wives turned his heart away from the Lord. So there's irony. This, this passage, this strong passage that Jacob just read, is written by a man uh, who has 700 wives, 300 concubines. But the question is, when did Solomon write this passage? Now, there's no exact answer. I'm just going to provide conjecture, essentially two possibilities. He either writes it uh, when he's older, after uh, he's had uh, 700 wives and 300 concubines, or before. If he writes it after, so let's say he's had 700 wives, 300 concubines, and he's writing this as an older man. This is a man who's learned from his mistake. He's been scorched by his own choices. Proverbs 6, so just the next chapter over, verse 27. uh, It should be on the screen. It says, Can a man carry fire next to his chest and his clothes not be burned? And this, again, is in a sexual sexuality uh, section. Can a man carry fire next to his chest and and his clothes not be burned? So from his experience, possibly Solomon has has learned from it. And yet he uh, realizes that he can be burned if you hold fire next to your chest. We recognize for us, uh, for Solomon, that we need God's word. We need discipleship from wiser brothers and sisters. We need to learn from others' experience, not just our own. So maybe that's the case for Solomon. Maybe he's, he's learned, he's lived life, and now he's got this wisdom that he's, he's giving to us. One side note to, to just maybe make a point of here is that a lot of the scripture is descriptive, not prescriptive. So a prescription is something your doctor would tell you to take, would tell you to do. There's a lot of description in the, in the scriptures about polygamy, adultery, uh, idolatry, murder, greed, so many other things that are not endorsed, but God uses sinful humanity for the sake of his glory. And so he, he tells us about it. But then let's think about if, if Solomon writes this passage when he's younger, prior to having 700 wives, he writes this strong word about uh, drinking water from your own cistern, not letting your springs be scattered abroad, then this becomes a man who didn't heed his own advice. And that's a strong warning for us. Maybe Solomon feels like he could be an exception to the rule. He held fire close to his chest and thought he wouldn't be burned. I, I can handle this. I will decide what's best and decide what's right in the heat of the moment. It's easy for all of us to teach one thing Uh, but then do another, to say one thing, but then hypocritically do something different. So Solomon, we don't know exactly did he write it when he was older or when he was younger, but but those are some things to think through depending on which scenario and things to learn from kind of either way. So no matter what, Solomon's teaching is true. 
God's word is true, but it's a warning. Knowing mere facts or teaching is not enough. We need heart change. And that was what I prayed for uh, in my prayer a few minutes ago. And what I've been praying this week, the past few weeks, is that we need heart change. We need to live in light of the truth, and otherwise we will be burned. On the screen, I have just a short statement. It is, it is one thing to agree with the Bible, but it's a whole other thing to obey it. Agree with the Bible. We could say, yeah, Proverbs 5 is good. It's rich. And yet we then go engage in a way that is contrary to it. And I put agree in, in quotation marks because do you really agree with something if you don't live in light of that truth? Faithfulness today is vital. But ongoing sanctification is also vital. We need to work out our faith with fear and trembling, knowing God is the sustainer. So if we think about Solomon writing this when he was a younger man and then growing older and engaging with 700 wives and 300 concubines, be warned. We need sanctification. We need God to sustain us. We need God's word to rub us. We need it to challenge us. We need it to continue to grow us. And we may totally agree with everything Proverbs 5 says or the rest of the scripture or a lot of the scripture, but be unwilling to change. So my question is, would we bow up to the word or will we submit and obey? Will it not only inform us, but also change us? I pray we'll be obedient to the Lord Jesus. And the scriptures make clear that temptation uh, will happen. There is forbidden sexual expression that, is that comes with detrimental consequences. But temptation will, will happen, and we've got to be ready to fight it. We've got to be ready to, to fight for purity. And those who obey will find profound sexual joy. Sexual purity inside or outside of marriage is not easy. But we have been created in God's image. We bear the very image of God... And whether inside or outside of marriage, it is joyful to get to embrace purity, to, be, to live the way that God created us to live. So maybe my key point for tonight, um, it'll, it'll be on the screen. Sexual expression is to be enjoyed by one man and one woman in the exclusive, lifelong public covenant of marriage. And, and some of this language comes from our statement of faith on um, sexuality, gender, and, and marriage. And we're going to read that uh, towards the end of our time. Sexual expression is to be enjoyed by one man and one woman in the exclusive, lifelong public covenant of marriage. And this has deep impact both in our marriages and also in singleness. All other expressions of sexuality are to be avoided from Genesis 1 and 2 when he created male and female in his own image, and they were one. This is how God had ordained it and has uh, continued to ordain it from, from his scriptures to the end of time. So let's read Proverbs 5, uh, 1 through 6. My son, be attentive to my wisdom. Incline your ear to my understanding, that you may keep discretion and your lips may guard knowledge. For the lips of a forbidden woman drip honey, and her speech is smoother than oil. But in the end, she is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. 
Her feet go down to death. Her steps follow the path to Sheol. She does not ponder the path of life. Her ways wander, and she does not know it. Now, this is going to be a very specific situation, Solomon speaking to his son. But this is going to have impacts and ramifications by the end of our time for kind of any opportunity uh, to, to think about sexuality and um, the problems that can come with it. Now, with uh, a biblical sexual ethic, whatever our biblical sexual ethic is, uh, it is not necessarily deterministic uh, in our salvation. Um, to have the right biblical sexual ethic at the very moment of your salvation, um, you probably wouldn't have the fullest extent that you, you would want. And yet, fruit, our, our lives are defined by our fruit. So me, at the beginning of, of coming to know the Lord, a lot of my uh, temptations were, were in, this, in this realm, and so I probably didn't have the perfect sexual ethic. And yet the Lord was working on my heart, moving my heart to grow me and to mature me. Luke 6, 43 and 44, a bad tree does not bear good fruit. A good tree does not bear bad fruit. We will be known by our fruit. So our sexual, biblical sexual ethic is vital to our relationship with the Lord. One thing we've been saying, maybe you guys have heard this language over the last year or so in our series on Matthew and in the Proverbs. When we've talked about money, we've talked about the two great commandments in Matthew, we've talked about forgiveness, we've talked about the parable of the talents. We've said, uh, Trevor and I uh, a couple times have used statements like, heaven and hell are at stake. Heaven and hell are at stake for us individually and then us corporately. And sexuality is no different. Our practice and our view of sexuality, heaven and hell are at stake. Our sexuality reflects our hearts. It reflects what we love, much as money and our obedience to the great commandments or the great commission. These are heaven and hell issues because it represents, the, the fruit represents the hearts that are in us. So Proverbs 5 verse 1 makes a strong statement. Be attentive. So our, our kind of uh, point tonight is to pay attention and ponder life from verses 1 through 6. Be attentive. Everything is at stake. And so Solomon wants his son to have, you'll look in the ESV, it, it differs in other translations, but the end of each of the lines in verse 1 and 2 he wants his son to have wisdom, understanding, discretion, and knowledge. And so he says, pay attention, be attentive. And then the lips of verse, verse 2 and the second half of verse 2 are juxtaposed or contrasted with the lips of the forbidden woman in verse 3. Verse 3 talks about, uh, it, it makes these lips to be sweet and smooth, attractive and enticing. And yet, verse 4 makes it clear that it's bitter and it causes death. So the drips of honey that comes from the lips of the forbidden woman actually are bitter. It leaves a bad aftertaste. The speech that's smoother than oil is actually a two-edged sword. So we're talking about life and death. And we want to ponder life Verse 6, the forbidden woman does not ponder the path 
of life. She does not take life seriously. She wanders. We want to think through consequences. We want to establish our view before the moment, before the moment of temptation with anything. We want to consider what our view is. What is our belief? What do we think? What do we know to be true? And that will inform then how we operate in the moment. Also, we want to get help. We want to get help from each other, from the church, from pastors, from godly friends, and from mentors. So ponder life. So pay attention and ponder life. Verses 7 through 14. And now, O sons, listen to me and do not depart from the words of my mouth. Keep your way far from her and do not go near the door of her house lest you give your honor to others and your years to the merciless, lest strangers take their fill of your strength and your laborers go to the house of a foreigner. And at the end of your life you groan when your flesh and body are consumed and you say, how I hated discipline and my heart despised reproof. I hope this is not going to be the language at the end of our life. I did not listen to the voice of my teachers or incline my ear to my instructors. I am at the brink of utter ruin in the assembled congregation. So our point here is to stay far away. Verse 8, keep your way far from her. Beware of the consequences of what you engage in. Verse 8, we want to keep our way far from the temptress and adulteress. Don't even go near the door. That is Solomon's instruction. Verses 9 and 10, take Those things that we're to take enjoyment in, our honor, our years, our strength, our labors, don't take those and give them to others. Give them to the merciless, to strangers, and to foreigners. Do not walk the line. Stay far away. If you're in this room and and you're married, I want to just talk a a little bit practically here. These are not necessarily black and white issues. Um, They're just going to speak into it and just wisdom that I I use for my own self. So even something as basic for my own self to to stay far away is is me not not riding in a car with another woman uh, one-on-one. And maybe that's something you would would need to practice, either woman or, or man. I would also encourage limiting, limiting texting or certain communication with somebody of, of another, um, the, the other gender. I, uh, Bryce and I were talking uh, previously about kind of common sense way to be sure this doesn't happen, to be sure my marriage with Casey is pure and holy for the rest of our days. As I will always be faithful to Casey if I'm never alone with another woman other than Casey. That will ensure that I am faithful to her. If you're single in the room, again, maybe not, maybe not black and white, just things that I had to put in, in place in my life and would maybe encourage you to think about is, is limiting hanging out after dark, maybe one-on-one with, with somebody of, a, of another gender or after eight or after nine or after ten, whatever, wherever the Holy Spirit leads. Um, I think we, we generally know that just bad things happen at night. Um, we, when, when we get a little tired, things just go uh, a little bit of a different way. Would it also encourage all of us, um, maybe in the room, because of sexual temptation for you, whatever it is, whatever it looks like, you need to, to do away with your smartphone, um, or you need to make it a dumb phone. Um, my, one of my buddies um, 
that was a, a huge um, person in my life that, that brought me to the faith today uses, uses a flip phone. You know, they've got one of them in the back at Verizon, but you can, you can go find a flip phone. If that's, if that's the right thing for you, you can find it. Um, I would be happy to go help you. Um, but there's, there's probably one or two of them, like way back in the corner that no one ever looks at or buys. But maybe that's the right thing for you. For TV, uh, for myself, when I, when I was coming to know the Lord, I came to know the Lord in, in kind of end of 2010, beginning of 2011. Um, and I, I loved watching shows like Everybody Loves Raymond or King of Queens, just like classic. I don't know if it's TNT or TBS or what channel it's on. But I, I had to start limiting these shows, not because of um, explicit like sexuality or things I would see. There was plenty of other things I needed to limit. But honestly, the way it spoke of, of manhood and womanhood um, and sexuality was just kind of joked about and, and made to be light for a season. Now, I, I may be a little bit better now, um, but for seasons, I, I had to put things away uh, for the sake of my heart, for the sake of my mind. And so maybe, maybe somewhere the Spirit is prompting you to, to limit your TV in some, some way or um, something else. Um, Anytime Casey and I are, are watching something and we try to limit things that are going to show up on the screen, but if, if something does, like, I immediately, uh, my eyes are going to Casey and I'm just going to stare at her and she's going to watch and she's going to tell me when I'm good to go. Um, that may be something that you need to practice in, in your marriage or with a roommate or um, even limit um, things all, all throughout. Um, movies, same thing. Um, I can't tell you, don't, don't, maybe, maybe don't watch R, don't watch PG-13, I'm not sure, but, but let the Spirit uh, lead you and, and guide you for what would be pure. Also for a season for myself, um, and, and sorry to maybe talk about myself just a little bit, but I don't know if it's, it's helpful, um, is, is I had to limit going to the beach just for the sake of, of my eyes. We, I had to make purposeful decisions, we're going to go vacation um, somewhere else, right, right as I came to know the Lord, I, I just... Um, wanting to, to protect purity and, and holiness, um, and so maybe, maybe limiting time at, at the beach for a season. Um, for those of us uh, who are both single and, and married, so all of us in the room, maybe limiting long, intimate conversations with somebody who is not your spouse of the, the opposite gender, or fantasizing about someone um, long and, and just keeping thoughts in your head, or even social media. Uh, social media for you may be something that, that needs to be done away with. I, I did away with it for three years, and even to today, my, my wife has my passwords. So the only way I can get on social media, if you send me anything on my uh, social media, I'm not going to get it until I log in and, and Casey's there with me um, just to help me not waste time and to, to keep my mind pure. And so you may say some of this is, is too extreme, and it may be too extreme for you, but um, I would encourage you to think about Matthew 5, 27 through 30. It's on the screen. You've heard it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. I mean, that is strong language. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body go into hell. So it's plucking out an eye, cutting off a hand for the sake of sexual purity. 
Now, many times people will, will talk about, what, what's God's will for my life? Is it, am I to take this job, move to this place, go here, go over there? And that's hard to know. But one thing I do know is, is some aspects of God's will for your life. One of the first, uh, I'm going to show you two verses that I memorized right with me coming to know the Lord that was just good for my heart. What is God's will for our life? 1 Thessalonians 4, verses 3 and 4. For this is the will of God, your sanctification. God's will is your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor. The NIV, which is the one I memorized it out of, uh, would talk about flee sexual immorality. Flee. That's very strong language. Get away. Get far away. Ephesians 5, verses 3 and 4. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. The NIV would say there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality. Now that's a high standard and probably a standard not uh, most of us can meet, but it's, it's, it's worthy to pursue It's worthy to run after. And it's interesting the language that comes in verse 4 of Ephesians 5. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking. How much do those things affect our hearts and our minds and affect our sexuality? And what happens if we do not stay far away? Sin enters the picture. Consequences. Regret. Now our relationship with Jesus... He made clear in Matthew 5, it is better to cut off our hand than to be thrown into hell. Sex before marriage is making yourself very vulnerable, very open to someone who is not your spouse, who is not committed to you, who is not going to be there. Sex before marriage also affects sex during marriage and has consequences that continue Sex during marriage with someone who is not your spouse or sexual expression is obviously detrimental and will cause consequences. Listen to the word of God and godly mentors who have gone before you. Listen to godly women and godly men who are around you. That's what uh, the end of, um, it's verse 13, I did not listen to the voice of my teachers or incline my ear to my instructors. Proverbs 6, verse 23, talks about a commandment is a lamp, uh, a teaching is a light, and reproofs or correction are the way of life. The way of life is to be reproved and to be corrected. Proverbs 9, verse 8, do not reprove a scoffer or he will hate you. Reprove a wise man and he will love you. Verse 10, or chapter 10, verse 17, whoever heeds instruction is on the path to life, but he who rejects reproof leads others astray. Be willing to hear reproof and correction wherever you are today. Be cautious. Stay away. The tempter misleads. He guides away from the Lord, from our spouse, from the truth, from purity. If you're single, the tempter wants to lead you away from priding yourself in in purity, from being weary of Um, So be weary of certain conversations or fantasies. God um, wants purity. He he wants to be all that you need for for satisfaction. 
Now, if we have crossed the line, if we um, have crossed the line in the recent past or in the far-off past, decades ago, there is grace and forgiveness to be found in Christ. So don't go away from, from tonight not hearing, okay, I have to abide by these. I haven't abided by them, so I'm out. I'm, I'm, I'm out of the picture. There is grace. There is forgiveness that Christ offers. And we're going to talk more about that here in a few minutes. Let's go on. Let's read verses 15 through 19. Drink water from your own cistern, flowing water from your own well. Should your springs be scattered abroad, streams of water in the streets... Let them be for yourself alone and not for strangers with you. Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth, a lovely deer, a graceful doe. Let her breast fill you at all times with delight. Be intoxicated always in in her love. So my point here is to enjoy purity. Enjoy purity, single or married. Sexual pleasure is good, but confined to marriage. Verses 15 through 17 uh, talks about the sexual expression being uh, for a husband and a wife only. Verse 15, uh, drink from your own cistern, uh, from your own well. This is talking about a wife's sexual affections. The, uh, Solomon's talking to his son or a spiritual son. Verse 16, spreading street, springs and streams abroad. This is This is the husband's sexual affections, that it's not to be taken out into the streets. The husband and wife will refresh each other. And if you're single in the room, and when I say single, I I mean unmarried, not in uh, this public covenant. Enjoy your singleness. Enjoy your purity. There's so much beauty in purity. Whether you're one day called to marriage or you're called to singleness for life. Purity is so valuable and beautiful. And I beg that you would cherish it. I did not cherish it in the way that I wish I would have. And so I pray even tonight your heart would be refreshed to cherish your purity. It is for you alone, not a stranger or an uncommitted person in your life. Sexual expression really necessitates trust, humility, forgiveness, vulnerability, commitment. So outside of a lifelong monogamous heterosexual marriage, we not only dishonor God and disobey his word, it is to our detriment. It is to our detriment to disobey God, to dishonor his word. It's also to our detriment just in the emotion, emotional roller coaster of, of life. Sexual expression is such a vulnerable state that it needs to be with someone uh, that is in a lifelong commitment. If you're married, I would encourage you to be faithful and delight, delight in your spouse and only enjoy your spouse, but enjoy him or her. This language is, is very beautiful and clear. Um, I'm probably not going to, um, I, I, I joked with Casey uh, maybe yesterday that I'm, I'm probably not going to tell her that she's a lovely deer and a graceful doe. Um, but that language would have had um, a very complimentary nature to it uh, a few thousand years ago. Song of Solomon, uh, chapter 4, again, Solomon writing this. The man to his bride talks about uh, his bride having hair like a goat and, his, and her teeth are like a shaved female sheep. 
Um, that's not necessarily going to be the compliment I give my wife tonight or uh, in the morning. But delight in your spouse. Delight in, in complimenting him or her. Uh, be blessed there. Um, tell them what they, what they are, that they, they are lovely and graceful, um, uh, maybe like a deer or, or a doe. Um, but if you're single, I, I would again encourage you to enjoy purity, enjoy holiness. God's image dwells on you. It is in you. It is formed in you. Ever since you were formed in your mother's womb, Psalm 139, you were invaluable. So whether that purity has already been broken from any number of different sexual expressions um, or, or it's still, you know, you've been able to walk in purity, value it. It's an incredible gift to give your life to Jesus, serving and honoring him in all ways. Lastly, let's read verses 20 to 23. This is going to help us and encourage us to, to choose wisely. Why should you be intoxicated, my son, with a forbidden woman and embrace the bosom of an adulteress? For a man's ways are before the eyes of the Lord, and he ponders all his paths. The iniquities of the wicked ensnare him, and he is held fast in the cords of his sin. He dies for lack of discipline, and because of his great folly, he's led astray. So we want to choose wisely, married or single. Everything is at stake. Remember what I said a few minutes ago. Heaven and hell are at stake. Our purity is at stake. Our relationship with God and others. It is folly to give into temptation. No matter how enticing and sweet it tastes like honey, I want it. But it's folly. Pursue sexual purity and proper exercise of sexual expression. And what is our motivation? Verse 21 Even if no one sees, even if no one sees, God sees. God is there with you at all times in all places. You may get away, and I I, quotation mark get away, with sexual sin for a long time or even your entire life. But God knows and is watching, and it reflects our hearts. It reflects what we love. We do what we love. We never stray from his gaze. Verse 22, sexual sin ensnares and entraps. It enslaves. It's addictive. It's folly to assume that you can stop yourself at any time. It's folly to assume you can play with fire and not get burned. I think both for for single and, and probably married, especially young marrieds, Marriage is not going to fix your sexual sin. 1 Corinthians 7, 9 does make clear. Paul says, if you burn with passion, marriage is a good thing. Get married. Be married. But marriage is not going to all of a sudden fix you or change your heart or, or make you pure. We want to see the Lord. We want to beg the Lord. We want to get on our knees and ask him to, to help us embrace purity. And if you're married, we want to be honest We want to be totally honest. There's so much freedom in me being able to be honest with Casey and her knowing what goes on in my my heart and my mind. We want our spouses to be able to trust us in public and private. Is your spouse able to trust you? The time to stop is right now, today, from any sexual immorality. 
in verse 23, lack of discipline, indulging in adultery, it leads to death and it leads to destruction. For the longest time, I thought uh, living like I wanted to live, engaging in physical acts that I wanted to do, that that was true freedom. It's free to just choose whatever I want to do. And I was living a hedonistic lifestyle out just for my pleasure. And I thought that was freedom. I get to do whatever I choose to do. I kind of thought, I grew up in the, in the church, but just had no context for, for the beauty of the gospel, the beauty of Jesus, and just thought Jesus and the Bible and the church were there to suck the joy out of life. Um, you know, not, not let me get the pleasure that I think that I want. But Galatians 5.1 makes very clear that for freedom, Christ has set us free. When we live the way that we were created to live, there's freedom. There's freedom to be found in Christ. And it is beautiful. And it is enjoyable. And it's the way that we were created. Now this is a specific case. Solomon is speaking to his son or sons about the importance of sexual impurity, the sexual purity. But this is important for, for all of us, man or woman, whatever we face. A woman can be tempted by a man, just as this son could be tempted by the forbidden woman. And the rest of Scripture makes clear that things like lust, pornography, adultery, homosexuality, incest, sexual abuse, premarital sex, cohabitation, polygamy, Things like this are out of bounds. Think about uh, something like John 4 with the Samaritan woman. Think about how, how Jesus engages with, with her. I would even encourage you to go read it later on. Jesus calls out her sin, says that she has five husbands and that the one she's with now is, is not her husband. She, he corrects her and offers compassion and draws her in. I want us to read uh, the statement on gender, sexuality, and marriage that's in our statement of faith. Um, it'll, be, it'll be on the screen. Marriage is the joining of one man and one woman in an exclusive, lifelong, public covenant. Sexual intimacy is a good gift from God to be enjoyed only within the confines of marriage. Any form of sexual intimacy outside... Um, Sorry. Outside the marriage covenant constitutes immorality. Sexual immorality includes lust, pornography, adultery, polygamy, fornication, homosexuality, same-sex marriage, bestiality, incest, cohabitation, and disagreement with and attempts to change one's biological gender. Now, a lot of these things are black and white. They are black and white. Sex before marriage is out of bounds. But I recognize that, that many of the practicalities are, are not necessarily black and white when we think about how do I avoid these things? How do I stay away from these things? How do I keep far away? Wisdom is required, which is why this is beautiful to be in Proverbs. The way of wisdom is, is the name of our series. We need wisdom. There's certain things that are out of bounds and others are less clear. Let us be concerned with what fills our minds. R-rated movies, PG-13 rated movies, what language we use, what language we use around people. We need to think about this and pray about this so that we can pursue purity. So three kind of encouragements uh, as we close. 
I would encourage you to, to delight and trust in Jesus. Delight and trust in Jesus. So tonight, no, no matter what, there is hope. So if you come in here with pain, if you come in here with hurt, if you come in here with shame from your choices or even the choices of others, there's hope because Christ is here to wash us clean. Our past can be washed clean. Isaiah 1, verse 18. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. Our sins are like scarlet, but they shall be washed white as snow. They're red like crimson, but they shall become like wool. The gospel, the truth that Christ has lived a perfect life, died the death that we could not, been raised on the third day. He offers redemption and hope. He washes us clean. He offers us true freedom, true freedom to live the way that we were created. 2 Corinthians 3, uh, verses 17 and 18. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of, of the Lord is, there is freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. The Lord is growing us. If we are found in Christ, if we trust in Jesus as Lord and Savior, if we find delight in Him, He is growing us from one degree of glory to to another. We are made in God's image. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. That is where freedom is found. So delight and trust in Jesus. The second one, pursue holiness. Pursue holiness. Fight for purity. It is worthy to be fought for. Single, married, young, old, 8 years old, 10 years old, 15 years old, 20 years old, 80 years old. Wherever we are, we want to fight for purity. And parents, even help your children pursue holiness. It's hard to know what to do as an 8-year-old and 10-year-old. Help them, disciple them, care for them. We want to flee lust, pornography, adultery, homosexuality, incest, sexual abuse, premarital sex, cohabitation, polygamy. And then the last one is to walk faithfully. Walk faithfully. Influence under the the work of the Spirit in our hearts. Matthew 5 makes clear we we may have to take drastic measures. Cut off our hand, pluck out our eye. I don't think the scripture is is meaning that exactly literally, but it's very willing to take drastic measures for the sake of our purity, for the sake of not being cast into hell. Now, some of this I've even said tonight you may argue is, is legalistic. Um, you may argue it's some of it's legalism. And we've, one, in, one encouragement I would give to somebody who is an alcoholic is probably, and they want to fight it and they want to get away from it, is to probably not go to a bar. Um, that would probably just be the wise thing to do. That may feel a bit legalistic, but it also may be, I think it's just wisdom to stay away. If it's something you truly want to stay away from, keep far away. So be willing to take measures. 
under the, under the influence of the Spirit, under the influence of mentors around you, I would love to talk more with you, um, especially if, if, if you're a male in the room. If you're a female in the room, I would love to, to hear from you. And if I can help or the pastors can help or we can point you to godly females, we would love to do that. Think about how to walk faithfully. Talk to people in your community group and encourage you to think through situations that you even know that you face outside of the moment of temptation. Don't be in the midst of temptation and then forming your your belief. So delight and trust in Jesus. Pursue holiness. Walk faithfully. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this night. We thank you for this time that we've had uh, together to think about sexuality that, that Solomon encourages, um, encourages us with. Lord, would you help us to pursue purity? Would we uh, be eager to put off sin, to, um, to be attentive, to, to pay attention, to, to ponder the ways of life, to ponder that which is truly freeing, and that is walking with you, our Lord Jesus, our Savior and our God. Father, I pray that, that the conviction of the Holy Spirit is, is working in this place, in our hearts, in my heart, in the hearts of those men and women that are sitting out here. Lord, would you help us to stay far away? Would you help us to enjoy our purity? And would we be men and women who would choose wisely for the sake of making your name unknown. Father, we thank you for the ways that you redeem us and wash us clean. And we pray all of this in Christ's holy name. Amen.